the video game Kingdom Hearts is all about the end of childhood, which I think is a very subversive commentary because it is using proprietary Disney characters that represent our collective image of an idyllic childhood to say that this does not last forever. And in fact, you will be separated and succumb to the forces of experience or adulthood. It does have infinite replayability, though. <laughs> that is true. And I think that's true of nostalgia, too. Um, mm -hmm. The infinite replayability of nostalgia. No matter where or what you are, you can still be absorbed in the fantasy of your childhood totems, which is sort of the journey that Sora goes through throughout the Dark Seeker series, which is what is known as the gigantic clusterfuck that ended with Kingdom Hearts 3. Okay. The, why is it called the Dark Seeker series? Because the true protagonist of Kingdom Hearts is not Sora, the hero boy, but rather Xehanort, the uh, man, initially whose initial form is played by uh, the late, great Leonard Nimoy oh. in Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Uh, this man is the seeker of darkness because it allows him to get power. He is, he is, you know, the ultimate representation of adulthood and experience because he believes in manipulating uh, the darkness in people's hearts, which is sort of like a lack of moral clarity mm. or like the mm. gray area of moral clarity. And I think what's argued with Kingdom Hearts and a lot of like dumb, dumb, sunshine Disney protagonists is that your dumbness sort of affords you a moral clarity that a person that has more experience, your innocence affords you a better moral clarity. Donald Duck, because he is a cartoon character, because he is childlike, has a greater grasp of right and wrong than, say, Xehanort, the old Leonard Nimoy adult. And what is darkness but just uh, the absence of light, after all? Yeah, what is darkness than, uh, than, as Jordan Peter would say, a vaginal cave, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a musty cave that I don't like to go in. No, but in terms of, like, Jungian archetypes, which he's all about, and if you read any of his deranged diagrams, there is, like, a historical um, association of the dark mother of the uterus with this sort of ur... Uh, anti, this this anti-reality where things are sort of created and born, uh, but also destroyed, and oh. also in a form of non-existence. I'm not on like a Jungian train right now. It's not a good train. I mean, it seems interesting, the archetypes and such, but I've never liked to typify people in that way. Um, no, it's it's very much about categorizing people into mythological. It's a BuzzFeed quiz, but instead of you know which Avatar the Last Airbender character are you, it's like which Greek mythological character are you? Right. Yeah, I'm not into that. But on the theme of childhood, I I know when I thought of this as the theme for the episode, it's you know it was it was from a Come Town bit recently where they're talking about you know those rainy dark days when you when you wake up and you have to go to school and you don't really know what time it is and then you go to school and it's rainy all day and it's just sort of like this sort of magical feeling mm -hmm. and I you know I would get that kind of feeling when I would go into the mall as a young kid yes malls as young kids that's the only time it's ever really enjoyable like in the department store 
Yes, being amazed yeah. by fountains, and I specifically right. remember the smell of mall fountains. Yeah, because, and I, I yeah. think the Clash have a song like that, like Lost in the Supermarket. Well, it's Lost in the Supermarket, right, but, but I think that's more about sort of choice blindness and how capitalism turns you into a zombie. Oh, I didn't, I, I guess I didn't do a really deep reading of that. When I listened to Lost in the Supermarket, I got the same kind of, because, you know, Supermarket, another place, another childhood yeah, place. Yeah, that's amazing, the shelves. And um, you know, you think like one of the, your fantasies as a child is to like be in the supermarket when no one else is there after dark. Yes. And just like I would be able to eat all the candy. And yeah, well, open all that the and like yeah, stores after dark have this very mystical quality as a child. There was a there was an Ontario uh, children's television show called Today's Special, which I really liked. Which, in retrospect, I watched some episodes, is terrifying. It's absolutely fucking horrifying. Uh, but it's about uh, uh, the department store. After it's closed, a woman puts a magic scarf on a mannequin, and he comes to life. And, you know, it's teach it has puppets in it as well, and it teaches kids <laughs> lessons. But it's like... Or I remember as a kid, like, going through a mall as it's about to close, and you see some storefronts, and it's just like blackness inside with just the mannequins out front and it seems like it's this void universe mm. what's what is it about a western man that he feels like he can only teach children lessons through puppets <laughs> um i i would say that it's i i think the theory behind it if there is a puppet theory mm. if we're going into deep puppet theory if yeah. we're going into the scholar jim henson um I think the exaggerated features of puppets sort of help communicate, uh, because kids, they, they, they aren't really key, keyed into subtle emotions. They, they don't, you know, think about, I, I don't know if a kid has ever experienced, I've never experienced a melancholic child, you know, I've experienced mm. a sad kid, but never like a, a kid afflicted with deep apathy or melancholy, like some of the more complex emotions it's difficult to convey, mm -hmm. and so... I think puppets help to illustrate sort of the broader emotions that children understand. And as a result, they can relate to it better mm. because it's like, you know, uh, you see, oh, that that has that man has the wince of a divorced man on his face. You know, a child will never identify that yeah. that wince. Yeah, it takes a while to get divorced guy energy. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> Someone was saying, um. Red Dead Redemption 2 is the ultimate divorce guy energy video game. <laughs> what well, I've never played it. I don't even know what it's about. I know people like Arthur. They like Arthur. Arthur Morgan. I can't do the voice. Arthur Morgan. I can't do it. Uh, I don't know what I it is. I have it. I played about 15 minutes and then turned it off. And I was like, meh. But that's mm -hmm. when I was blinded by marijuana. And Whoa. now that I've... Now that, the thing about weed is that I can't play video games on, or read books on weed. So when I quit weed, which I... Last time I had any weed was um, July 21st. Congratulations. Yeah, you know, whatever. I'm still smoking. I mean, it seems like it just dulls my brain too much and I can't do things like read or play video games. And now, you know, I just... Yeah, now true. I can play video games and read again and that's that's kind of cool for me and dreams that's what i miss although i, I had some I i've been ha i have no. fucked up dreams yeah. on weed anyway no, so. i don't I, that's the, one of the main reasons i smoke was to remove the dreams because through yeah. dreams by smoking weed it provided as a mental shield from all um invasive astral projections from people trying uh, to attack my powerful brain 
The last dream I had, someone forced me to shoot a rabbit with a BB gun and then made me pull all the BBs out of the rabbit, which was still alive. That was the last dream I had. <laughs> nice. I guess, do you love rabbits? I don't love rabbits. I think, I, I don't know. It was kind of, I don't like, not to sound like a fucking jackass, which I will anyway, but my nightmares don't scare me because they're sort of cool, mm. you know? Yeah. It's rare to get a really... Sometimes I would get really scary ones every so often, but most of the nightmares are just like, oh, no, the plane is crashing, and I'm in the cockpit seat, and I'm watching it Mm -hmm. crash, and it's not like... I'm not, like, shivering when I wake up from that because it's not a a really scary, scary experience. But I I did have some dreams that were very scary, and so... Yes, when I was a kid... You know, to tie it back to childhood, that's when the good nightmares were. That's when the real mm. fucking waking up and pissing myself nightmares were. Mm. I don't think I um, pissed myself. It's got to be a chemical thing, too, because we have a mutual friend, a listener of the pod, you'll know who you are, who has very intense nightmares and reactions to horror movies and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, and it's it's got to be like a brain chemistry thing, like a like stronger release of cortisol for information, or maybe influenced by some experience in their life that I you know I'm not aware of. But I always found that fascinating because I didn't have that reaction to stuff, except for when I was a kid. Well, for all the good science has done us, they they certainly don't know what dreams are all about. Like, come on, science. Yeah, get on dreams. Come like on. David Lynch is more into dream science than you guys. And science, yeah, science is really letting us down these days, you know? Yeah. Come on, science. <laughs> Come on, science. Get get with the program, stop, science. Stop trying to make Peter Thiel live forever. <laughs> He's lived long enough, uh, damn it. So I wanted to uh, uh, wanted to, sh- to show you or bring up this article which maybe we can re- I can read a little bit of do do some do a reading series in, um, in a uh, bit blatantly stolen from the from the Charpo Charp House Charpo uh, Charp Charp. This Charpo, is Charp, from Charp, uh, Charp, this is an article from yesterday in People Magazine, and Ooh. I thought it was fantastically satanic. And what the, are they saying in People? The name of the article is "Identical Twin Sisters Who Married Identical Twin Brothers." Both announced their pregnancies. Mm. <laughs> what is the body of the article? <laughs> the okay. Salyers are seeing double. Identical twins Brittany and Brianna Salyers, who married <laughs> identical twins Josh and Jeremy Salyers, announced Friday. Wait, that... they have the same last. Oh no, because they married in. Yeah, they married. Right they okay. both changed their name. So, I just picture they're from, like, a small town where there's, like, three surnames or something like that. So they're, like, first cousins as well. So they announced Friday that they are both expecting. The couples who first made headlines when appearing on TLC's Our Twin Sane Wedding shared the news in a Baywatch-themed Instagram post. Hell yeah. Guess what? Both couples are pregnant. Pregnant emoji, pregnant emoji. They wrote alongside a photo showing Josh and Jeremy dressed up as lifeguards while Brittany and Brianna showed off their baby bumps in one-piece bathing suits that read Baby Watch. Mm. We are thrilled and grateful to experience overlapping pregnancies and to share this news with you all, the caption continued. 
Our children will not only be cousins, but full genetic siblings and quaternary multiples. Ooh. Which are, in my opinion, perfect for sacrifice. This is not in the article. Right, quaternary multiples. You're essentially yeah. reproducing the same kid, but right. in a different timeline. You're literally creating two timelines of children. Yes. Of the same child. It's satanic, and uh, or, you know, perhaps just Man, a cult. Like, you could do a lot of science on those kids. Science should study these kids. Get off your ass, science, and use these kids for experiments. Yeah, see what kind of dreams they have. Maybe they'll both have the same dreams. Yeah, do dream science on these quaternary multiple science. But, yeah, it's going to be, they're, um, you know, I can't imagine what that will be like. I hope they don't live together. Um, I hope oh, they all oh, live together. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break it to you. Brittany, who is married to Josh, told people that they were excited to all live in the same house and raise there their children. There you go. Woo! <laughs> yes. Yes. That's crazy. The alternate universe version of yourself born on the same day. Mm. The, like, I have identical twin friends who are like, yeah, it fucks with you a little. <laughs> ooh. Well, we I know tangentially of a couple who has an identical twin and like just normally whenever you have like identical twins both having children it's cool because those children are cousins and then also half brothers technically mm -hmm. but these tw um these will be bro full brothers and cousins or you know brother sisters. cousins brothers yeah brother cousin sister cousin okay well, that's fine. I mean, it is very, very Rosemary's Baby. It is very, very... You're right, there is an element of, like, the stars aligning and cosmic birth and whatnot. And, well, the like, fact that they're living together... flaxen-haired, you know, Midwestern yeah. uh, dump ladies. Yeah. You know. It's exactly... You, you probably haven't even seen them. They're flaxen-haired. I haven't seen the article, but it's, it's... Their names are... What are their names? Like, Brittany and Bobby, you Bri said? Or? Brianna and Brittany. But Brianna they're flaxen-haired yeah, Midwestern yeah. dump ladies. Yeah. That is true. That's all you need to be. And do the men... The men are brunettes, and yep. they yep. have big square heads. Yep. I imagine. Yep. There you go. It's it's easy to figure out. Yeah, but these are the chosen people. If there is like a Satan, he would choose this couple, couples, these couples, this pair of pairs to <laughs> usher in uh, a new era of pestilence. So we can all have that to look forward to. The sisters, Say bye to the old era of let pestilence. Me, let me go on. The sisters have long been immersed in twin subculture, dressing alike. <laughs> double dating and considering themselves two halves of a whole i mean i shouldn't make fun of that it seems like it would be sort of hard to cope i, I feel like a lot of identical twins okay let me go on probably then. okay keep going the baby news comes almost exactly two years after the couples tied the knot in a joint ceremony at the 2018 twins day festival in twinsburg ohio they were married by identical twin ministers in the ceremony themed Twice Upon a Time. <sighs> uh, you know how the, you know in numerology the number 11 is considered to be an evil number because it represents something unholy which mm -hmm. is one representative of the universal whole but repeated and next to each other. They're an ersatz version of something that is fundamental and already exists 
And that's what the movie Us uses. The movie Us uses a lot of the number 11 hmm. in it. It uses the Twin Towers, which, you know, a lot of weird conspiracy theorists consider the Twin Towers to be a demonic sigil because it is a big number 11. Yeah. Same with the Golden Gate Bridge. Wait, the, and so, the, the Golden Gate Bridge is a demonic sigil? I have to get my uh, yeah, notebook Yeah, I mean, out. you know, it's a big it's a big gate. It's literally a big demonic gate. They're like all the demon people are obsessed with gates, you know, the idea that you can create a portal to somewhere okay. or a wormhole and you need some big sort of like football uprights to do it. Yeah. For some reason football uprights are like the primary me. gate form. Big forks. Yeah. That's why I have so much suicidal ideation about the football uprights. Oh my god. <laughs> it's all coming into Man, that is a romantic hanging, though. If oh, you want to do a good place. high school hanging, football uprights. Oh, can't it's the beat best it. place. Yeah, man. Call 911 if you're experiencing these thoughts. <laughs> yeah, don't hang yourself from the football uprights. But it is the best place. Yes, it is the best one. So rafters? Rafters are a poor man's game. No mm. one's going to find your body. Uh, you're going to be three days. You're going to be bloated. So terrible corpse. All fl- terrible covered corpse. in flies. Football uprights, you get, like, the beauty of the lights on you, the dew of the field. Yeah. A Tears for know. Fears song. That'll yeah. play. <laughs> exactly. Mad. Mad world. Demonic uh, no, situation. no. <laughs> Don't joke about the high school suicide. Oh, right. I, yeah, I forgot. That's bad. It's bad Don't to joke do about it. Teenage suicide. Don't do it. Don't do it, teenage. Frankie. Don't do teenage pregnancy. Teenage suicide. Uh, don't do childhood suicide. Don't do. <laughs> that's the fucking when kids commit suicide. That's the fucking craziest shit to me. Yeah. Because uh, I remember hearing this one story of like a girl who um, who fucking uh, was bullied so bad. A six year old girl was bullied so bad she just hanged herself. Yeah. Um, and that's how bad. Do you need to be bullied? Because I was, I was fairly bullied that's, as a child. That's why we had to end bullying, and we did. That's why Melania Trump stopped bullying. Yeah. We had to end bullying, and unfortunately now there's more weenies than ever, but it's good, ultimately. You know, we can employ... We'll figure out a way to employ them. Oh, uh, man. How are we going to employ the weenies? We we, yeah. we have uh, shunted the natural selection of the weenies. We have artificially selected for weenies. That's mm-hmm. why Hamilton is popular. Right. Because we stopped bullying. We have Hamilton now. <laughs> I mean, that, that is what the boomers think, basically. They're like, oh, they should... They should. Why get, why get rid of bullying? You need bullying. I've, lit- I've heard people heard like boomers say that or at least yeah. other gen x like comics being like no you need bullying i think it's a popular contrarian take you know it's just something you could say oh it's the opposite of conventional oh treating each other like shit is good actually what you, you know what we there's a way of framing it without saying you need to mistreat people what we need is resiliency we need, but yeah. there are other ways of having you know i don't have much resiliency but it's not because i wasn't bullied that doesn't i don't i mean i don't think no i don't have it either it's because i have severe emotional problems and emotional regulation issues Mm -hmm. it's because i get very angry if the smallest thing inconveniences me yeah i feel like you know like it's there's some days i feel like just inanimate objects are working against me yes 
Uh, I have had this, I have posited this theory specifically about public transportation. Mm. I call it transit solopsism. The idea that uh, public transit was designed specifically to inconvenience you. <laughs> you and only you. Specifically, they took stats about you and your habits and about when and where you are likely to go places and constructed, went back in time to when they created the Toronto subway system and uh, streetcar system and said, we're going to fuck this guy over in particular. Mm. That's how I feel. Even though it's like a five-minute delay makes me feel this way. Because <laughs> I'm selfish and petty. Twin sisters. Twin sis. Twin sis. Twin sest. <gasps> Twin sest. Of course, there's ah, that very famous, uh, the very famous case of the, the, the identical twin gay porn stars who are in a relationship with each other. Okay. You know about them? I don't, but well, have they hot. found love? Yeah. I mean, controversial take here, but I like I find uh, you know, uh sibling incest to be way less creepy than uh parent child incest. I mean, as long as it's taking place over the age of eighteen completely yeah. consensually, then yeah. just don't like it's talk weird about I it. don't I think it's fucked up, but it's like it doesn't strike me as like abusive or have the same power imbalance fucked up inness. Right, and I mean the the issues the issues come in with with procreating because you're gonna mm-hmm. have a Habsburg baby, and <laughs> I mean we allow the wealthy to do it. Frankly, I think it's you know I think it, my the extreme libertarian in me says like I don't care if your kid has genetic defects. <laughs> mm, yeah, you know, well, we can't. We also have to, you know, you don't want to self-select all the genetic defects out of society. That's anti. Mm-hmm. How are we going to get mutants otherwise? That's, we need a little. Yeah, how are we going to get the X Men? <laughs> how are we going to get the Midsummer uh, book kid? Yeah, how are we going to get the new Bibles written? Yeah, um, if we don't have our incest babies. But you know, because you don't want to go the route of Gattaca. Which we, I think was what is what we're seeing now. I was this is a hearsay, but from another podcast. Shout out to the Trill Billies. Uh, Trills, they're they're very good. I would say great. they're number one left left people. They're great. Out of the whole leftist podcast uh, dome, yes, they're probably the best. That's my favorite podcast. I don't pay for Chapo, but I do pay for Trill Billies. Mm-hmm. Um, I pay for Trill Billies too. But they were talking about he, some radio lab thing where rich people are now able to really do genetic screenings on their own babies and self-select for things. And they can self-select out various phenotypes. So they can yeah. pick appearance, they can pick out dis- disabled babies, and they can now, starting to, be able to self-select for intelligence, which <laughs> is not good. For the rest of us. <laughs> All of these smart fascist super babies are gonna... Turns out the movie that correctly predicted the apocalypse was Baby Geniuses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it was. The super babies! Is that Bill Crystal? <laughs> no, no, it isn't. Oh, Billy Crystal. Is that Crystal. accidentally a Bill Crystal? I meant, Billy Crystal? I meant Billy Crystal. You're not Bill Crystal. You have to, the, make, the you have to be person. very careful. There's a big difference yeah. between Billy Crystal and Bill Crystal. Yeah, I can't make that mistake. There's a big difference between John Lovitz and John Favreau and John Favreau and John Lovett. Oh, God. Yeah. Um. 
the the Pod Save America boys. They are a bad podcast. That oh, is an man. example of a bad podcast. They're very funny. I I listen to them sometimes, um, just to get an idea of what's going on in the normies, in the yeah, the, like the, nor- the normie sphere, the rad lib. Yeah. Are they rad libs? I guess. No, they're K. They're Kamala supporters. They're Kamala supporters. So I think. Well, what know, is rad lib? Rad libs are like what I what I think they're what. Um, Amy Therese people no. called Chapo oh. people. They're what, what Red Scare people call Chapo people. Really? Like, c- yeah, because they think that like other dirtbag left people who aren't as class reductionist are uh, just uh, liberals that sort of have a sheen of radicalism to them. They they according to Medium, it's people who pretend to be radically opposed to the capitalist imperialist status quo but defend the system in practice allying with yeah. liberal de- liberal democrats and other counter revolutionaries yeah so you know how like you saw michael moore do a big we got to vote for joe kamala is very progressive post even though he was like even though he's michael uh, moore okay so noam so chomsky's like, a rad lib now noam chomsky some people would call noam chomsky a rad lib mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, because he said, eh, "Vote for Biden. It is better than Trump." I, I, I feel like after being a waffler, I've come down to, yeah, you should probably vote for fucking Biden. Yeah, I don't. Ha- you know, I'm gonna vote for Biden because I'm in Michigan, and yeah, it really, really makes a difference there. If it makes it, and but as Chamsky was saying, uh, if you're <laughs> in a safe state. Yeah. If Chamsky was saying, yeah, if, if you're, you're in New state, York, vote for the, vote Bernie, Howie, right in Bernie, Howie Hawkins or whatever. Yeah, or someone else. Joe because, Jorgensen. Yeah, keep pressure on him. Um, because you know the ult- the only argument I've ever I've seen for preserving Trump is accelerationist. Really, yeah. that it's like we're gonna we need to Biden is just gonna preserve the status quo and nothing will change under Biden. But it's like you think nothing you think things will change under Trump. They'll get worse. They'll get way worse. And I don't think you can seriously argue that Biden would do a worse job than Trump. You know, he sucks. He sucks, but he's, like, not compared to this guy. The singularly most incompetent leader, uh, at least domestically, that we've seen. Yeah, I mean, the left is not able to have a coherent foreign policy, so it's funny. Um, I, I like how there's people getting called Assadist online sometimes. Isn't Tulsi Gabbard? She's an Assadist. Yeah, but I don't, she does hang out with Assad, so like, that's kind of worth. Well, I just I was trying to figure out what what is an Assadist, and I guess it's someone who's just like authoritarian because they think it works. Like they think that the Syrians it, it was just working. I I think it would be similar to those who were uh, saying that Iraq, Iraq was better with Saddam. Uh, which uh, arguably, like, kind of yeah, true. Yeah. I I think I mean it's like if there was a way to depose him without millions murdered, I suppose that would have been n- nice. But I don't right. think there was a way to do that at the time. So how do you keep? It's like because if there's so much sectarian violence, then the the Assadist would say you need a strong man to keep control of the sectarian violence. I mean, that's also one of the strange things of the left where they're like anti-interventionist, except when it comes to Kurdistan, where it's like, nah, we should put all of our fucking troops in fucking Kurdistan. 
Because those guys are secular heroes. They just like them because they're still some Marxist revolutionaries there and some anarchist ah. revolutionaries there. I like the Kurds. I like Brace Belden. He fought Brace Belden Kurds. is not representative of the Kurds. <laughs> <laughs> he's just... Brace Belton is he's he's the Kurdish leader. I, it is odd to me that he is now the go-to guy for all things about. Like I I have a friend who went to Iraq, the Kurdish parts of Iraq, and was ferried around in a limo with the Kurdish billionaire doing coke. Hell yeah! And, that sounds dope. And it's not. It's very much the opposite of what Brace Belton experienced like there are kurdish billionaires who go around in limos doing coke being racist that's pretty that's and this is my that's the uh, that's the country i want that's the arab country my good friend who shall remain anonymous from high school who is now at oxford um very (laughs) far right um oh wow that's no good mm, it takes all it takes all kinds takes all sorts there's all sorts you know, of there's, a, uh, I, there's Marxists, Oxford fash guy. There's Marxists out there wanting to, to, you know, kill everybody who's got a which Marxists income, give me their names income higher than them. Give name me their, names. I, I want you to name names <laughs> on these Marxists. <laughs> no, no blacklists. Uh, this nah. is the only Chinese restaurant that'll deliver in a ten mile radius, Elaine. <laughs> My father was on a blacklist. <laughs> uh man it's weird how like seinfeld is occasionally pro-communist that or like that one episode where kramer starts quoting communist literature as santa claus yeah. but <laughs> kramer like it's the show doesn't actively try to invalidate kramer's point of view except for the fact that kramer is a general doofus yeah they're also the um you know they talk about the jfk stuff a little bit uh in seinfeld mm-hmm. with the magic uh, what was the magic thing? The, the magic loogie. Is it the loogie? Yeah, yeah. that is when he's because uh, it's Keith uh, Hernandez. They accuse Keith Hernandez of spitting on them, <laughs> and Jerry does the whole JFK bit. At the time, uh, at that time when I watched that, I was really anti JFK conspiracy, which I've done a one eighty on. Well, why were you? I remember because that I didn't. The one of my foundational memories of you is playing JFK Reloaded. So, um, yes, I played a lot of JFK Reloaded, but I was playing so much fucking JFK Reloaded because I wanted to convince myself that it was possible that Lee Harvey Oswald could make those three shots. I mean, it is possible. It's but very hard, <laughs> very improbable. And he did it apparently with a really shitty gun, mm. and also had no. Uh, gunpowder residue on his face whatsoever and also placed a call to raleigh north carolina to a defense intelligence counterintelligence um agent uh whose name i'm forgetting immediately upon being arrested and Mm -hmm. he had a cia minder named george de morgenschild in dallas so a lot of stuff's weird but at the time when i was playing jfk reloaded and before that i was really anti-jfk conspiracies um you know. Why? Is it like a Texas thing? Uh, part of a Texas thing. I don't want to dox myself, but I'm related to a guy who worked in the JFK administration, so it's a familial tie-in. Ah. Uh, um, you I, got blood. You got yeah. blood in there. Yeah, I have a, a relative that worked for JFK. My mom met Where? JFK when she was little. Where? That's was always cool. You know, when she was like oh, three, yeah. three years. No, she was, how old was she? I think it was when she was really little. It was before he was in the White House. So mm. it wasn't like she met the president. 
but that's okay. She's because it was still profiles of courage, still a war hero, glowing with Addison's disease. And I like JFK, so. Yeah, JFK was all right. I feel he gets a bad rap sometimes because like people put Bay of Pigs on him, but now nah, I was really CIA oh, the, as Bay yeah, of Pigs. The, the Bay of Pigs is not his fault. He did a good thing in the Bay of Pigs. Yeah, I mean, but also we, as I'm reading in the Civil War book, we've been trying to invade Cuba at that point in like 1961. That was like maybe our fourth or fifth attempt at invading Cuba. We tried mm-hmm. it. That's where the word filibuster comes from. Hmm. Is the filibusters were people who would get together and try to invade Cuba in the 1850s. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> well, oh man, that that just reminds me of uh, the Simpsons episode where they try and buy Cuba. Yeah, we tried. Uh, we offered Spain a hundred million dollars in the 1850, and then a couple of years later, we offered Spain a hundred and thirty million dollars, and Spain Spain was like, nope, nope. And then every time we would send like. The, the New Orleans dock people would like uh, collude with various filibuster people who and they would let them ship out to Cuba and at various times the Spanish would just capture Americans and then execute them and then <laughs> and then the remaining people would come back to New Orleans and then there'd be a huge riot and with and the entire Spanish quarter of New Orleans would be destroyed Americans <laughs> are Americans are so stupid and they have been for hundreds of years this is mine. The, the, I want it. The idea, like this, this, like Jefferson Davis had this idea that the South would mean like the entire Southern Hemisphere on our side, and we would conquer all of South America and turn it into one giant slave. Hell yeah, one continent. giant Texas and <laughs> one big Georgia. They and then they were like, and then next after that will be the world. So they were bent on world domination. Mm-hmm. Through and they're like, we're gonna b- spread slavery everywhere. There won't be a mm-hmm. single place that won't that won't want our cotton. Cotton will be yeah. cotton will be the only thing. They really thought cotton was like gonna be everywhere all the time. Yeah, it cannot be overstated how villainous uh, many of the leadership of the Confederacy were. <laughs> how comically villainous, yeah. I could say. Uh, uh, like how just overstated fucking cartoon villain shit these guys were into like mustache twirling evil like evil for the sake of evil shit i mean i i I don't want to talk too much about the civil war because i will i don't know i will i don't i can probably avoid getting too too many spicy takes i mean i'll probably too many spicy takes mm, well i don't know the thing that i'm realizing is how crazy brainwashing is and about how you know everyday people everyday non-slave owning people in the south got caught up in a war for their why well, I, I mean uh, just masters. just for myself because mm. i'm pretty sure i was brainwashed about it brainwashed about the civil war yeah. how so i mean that's the i was taught that it was the war of northern aggression and that the south oh just, really yes you actually were in in your texas school upbringing well, I went to a private school, so they didn't even have to abide by any kind of... Oh, wow. But yes, I would, you know, and the North started it. It was their fault. And the South was just being peaceful, and we treated the slaves nicely, and they liked it. Whoa. Really? Yeah. That's nuts. So I've, you know, my entire life been, like, trying to figure out what really happened. So now I'm reading mm-hmm. this book, um, Battle Cry of Freedom, so I can figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. more for myself mm-hmm. without trying to get rid of some of the brainwashing mm-hmm. um you know but yes i was taught that robert e lee was a great man mm-hmm. and 
there's a lot I of mean, a lot of people are taught that. I think we were having a discussion. Yeah. yeah. I I was taught that, you know, Robert E. Lee, despite being uh the leader of the Confederacy of the Confederate Army, uh, you know, he graduated first in his class at West Point, whereas Ulysses S. Grant uh, you know, graduated near the bottom. Grant being an inveterate drunk and a buffoonish charlatan, while Robert E. Lee was a true soldier soldier. Uh, Which was his downfall, only... though. That was Robert E. Lee's downfall because he couldn't conceive of non unconventional warfare. A or lot guerrilla of the time. tactics? Well, he didn't do guerrilla tactics. The guerrilla tactics were done in the South by, like, the swamp people to, mm. to good effect. But Robert E. Lee couldn't con- conceive of unconventional warfare, and um, that was in several battles. Um, I think part of his downfall, like he wouldn't, he was like, they wouldn't like all just wake up at 3 a.m. and move. The battle has been set. And we, and then he would like marched out to battle and no one was there and then got like flanked and ambushed. And oh, it was not always <laughs> We the agreed best. in this fight that we would not right. kick each other in the balls. Right. <laughs> mm. Oh no! How could you? Oh, and then he's like, and this, oh, no. this proves once again how unhonorable the North has been. Yeah, and I have won it's, the moral victory. <laughs> it's almost funny how, like, um, I feel like in modern day politics, you know, uh, the liberals almost sort of represent that, whereas the Republicans are the ones who will just kick you in the balls, even if you have agreed to not kick each other in the balls. Mm. Uh, sort of that that adherence to structure cripples you when you're actually trying to uh, create any sort of change. Right. Well, I would hesitate to, to, to take too many lessons from the battlefield and apply them to pol- politics. Um, hey, different. fuck you. Sun Tzu did it. Ooh, ooh. Oh. Fuck you. I am as smart as Sun Tzu. Fuck you, Sun I am a Sun Tzu genius. Hey, fuck you, Sun Tzu. Fuck you, Sun Tzu. Uh, <laughs> fucking... Well, they didn't have no conception of childhood during the Civil War. Uh, what with all the thirteen-year-olds, so I would have loved to have been a drummer. I would have been the flute kid. Mm. Yeah, you would have been shot up a bunch. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, they targeted the flute kids. Oh yeah, man. You're, I'm going to raise the spirits of the troops with my beautiful melodies. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, they rattled little Jimmy with bullets. I would have <laughs> musket bullets. I wish True Blood had been more like vampires during the Civil War cuz that's what vampires I want to see. Vampires during the Civil that's War. That's what I want to cool. see is a show with like the vampires during the Civil War. Yeah, and there's like a group of uh freed slave vampires that prey on slave oh, owners and be, you like them. That would be awesome. You should yeah. pitch that to Jordan Peele. Yeah, you should you should pitch ideas to Jordan Peele. Where can we get his? Um, where can we pitch <laughs> ideas to him? Look, we. I'm a, I'm a little white Jewish guy, yeah. so I got the best ideas for black stuff. Yeah. You hear me? <laughs> uh, I feel like a lot of Jews have taken that approach. That's, I feel like yeah. that's the story of NWA. Yeah. <laughs> it's just there's a, you go to the writers' room and it's just one Jewish guy. Yeah, look. <laughs> Black people, you know, they don't come across as black people on TV. You need Jewish people to write for black people. That's what TV black people said. Look, <laughs> I feel that's actually, that has been applied to most media before, like, before, like, five years ago. <laughs> before five years ago, all black people were just written by Jewish people. 
I mean, everybody was written by Jewish people. Everybody was written it's, by that's, Jewish people. That's how the writing works. For, there you, you go. Know, you go right to the synagogue. That's how writing works. Yeah. <laughs> that's how. It's your... funny how that's how uh, South Park actually works. They just have just want juice. <laughs> I, it's it's not it's not even Matt Stone. Yeah, it's he's not too, even Matt he's Stone. He's too Sephardic. Yeah. It's just Matt Stone's cousin uh, uh, Shecky. <laughs> it's his cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you get your ideas from? Oh, you know, we have an intense creative process and Shecky. Oh, I hope they pay me with coins again. <laughs> with coins again. I like Sacagawea dollars because I can feel their heft. Did you hear that there's a, a coin shortage in America? We can't, <laughs> we can't do anything right. <laughs> it's a failed state. You can't even print, you can't even make currency. That's <laughs> a failed state. Losing the legitimate monopoly of force, not printing currency. Mm-hmm. It's Somalia. In fact, Somalia is better because at least they have cool pirates. Uh, yeah, I haven't. There hasn't been any big pirate pirate stuff from Somalia in recent days. Yeah, that was a real obsession of the mid two thousands is Somalian pirates. Yeah, it sort of fizzled out of the cultural consciousness in the West. Well, At least in my own mind. When when the society collapses, pirates will come back. As we go more wild west, I mean, it's not going to collapse. It's just going to become more and more wild west. You know. Uh, the the image of pirates in childhood. Mm-hmm. If I to tie it back to the theme of the episode, why do you think? Be, because you think of especially, I guess, tropes in childhood too. Because you think of cops and robbers, and you know, very cringily cowboys and Indians. Uh. And, and all of these bloody, violent tropes get sort of boiled down to these very, you know, puppet-like archetypes. These very exaggerated, you know, uh, easy emotional cue-type archetypes. And I guess the one that's most flummoxing is the pirate one, because these are just, you know, rapers and pillagers all mm. across the way. But for some reason, they have become imbued in the childhood consciousness as symbols of freedom. I think that's, you know, sort of generally what a pirate, usually when there's a pirate in media, that's sort of his metaphorical image. Like, even in the famous Lazy Town song, You Are a Pirate, uh, a pirate a pirate is free, you are a pirate. Yeah, their association with sort of freedom is what becomes attractive about them. Well, I think it especially. comes, a lot of it comes from Treasure Island. Mm, um, yeah, have you read yeah, that? Right. Yeah, it's a great, it's yeah. a classic book. I read it so long ago for school, and since it was for mm. school, it was less part, like, I didn't, if I read something out of desire to read it, I would re- retain it more, but this was forced mm-hmm. upon me, so I didn't, it was harder for me to enjoy. I do mm-hmm. remember the black spot being terrifying, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah, but it's... Yeah, I think it's I, I that's sort of America too, how you forget all of its raping and pillaging because it's associated with freedom. Or oh. because, you know, the raping and pillaging is actually part and parcel of its freedom. Right. Diego uh, had a bark for freedom right there. Yeah, we're barking out for freedom, dog freedom right here. Oh, so I, we should uh, cover the my my adventure with the lost and found dog that was. Yeah, lost and he had too, a very wholesome adventure. Yeah, recently. it was great. We found a dog. I quickly, it was a little Chihuahua mix. I quickly named it Patty too. Mm-hmm. Um, only had it for about four hours. It escaped during a thunderstorm and made its way just 
300 feet um, to our okay. house. And, uh, you know, we took care of it and we had a leash and a, and a collar and we fed it some dog food and I took it on a walk and it peed and pooped and I picked up the poop. Hell yeah, turd handler. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it just kept it company until the owner eventually found one of the flyers we put up and it did, it did have the result of me joining next door. So now I'm on next door. Uh-oh. Which should be fun. Uh, wow. I can't wait to see what kind of crazy shit my neighbors are are up to. Uh, Didn't you have a neighbor with like a Confederate flag or something like that? Not a con- I have a neighbor with like a Marines flag, which is not okay. It's not at it's, all the same. No, but it's still a little um, I'm, intense. I'm pretty sure he's dead now. <laughs> okay. Like he died. Okay. He was on good. a ventilator <laughs> machine. <laughs> no, no, not good. He was on a ventilator oxygen, and it was concerning for a while because the power was going in and out. Like last year, before the tree company came and fixed all the trees, we would have a lot of power outages, mm-hmm. and so that was concerning. But yeah, no, his when he when he was going to the hospital, his um, sons came around, and one of the sons was wearing a Trump hat. No, no. So they were <laughs> well, they're Republicans, but you know, Michigan yeah, is you want? Michigan is a purple, very purple state. There, it's fifty-fifty. Oh, yeah. Very much. Fucking look at Kalamazoo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Proud Boys versus, um, I'm not sure, if it, I don't know if it's Antifa that... Nah, I think it was just general BLM yeah. protesters. I think it was counter-protesters counter, counter protesters to the Proud Boys, which is great. I do, yeah. you know, I'm not really for violence, but if Proud Boys show up and you go to out there to kick their ass, I think that's cool. <laughs> I mean, well, Proud Boys, it's like, if you read their first ten rules, it's like, do violence. So, yeah, assuming the Proud Boys will be violent is not, <laughs> it's not a bad assumption. Yeah, I'm not, I which mean. Which is why I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, acting in self-defense is pretty necessary when it comes to those guys. I mean, I'm basically a weenie, but I, I admire people who have the bravery to go out and, uh, confront the proud boys violently and hit them hit them in the face yes good for them and then the proud boys had to leave so that's good oh man and then the police Uh, showed up (laughs) freaking um you don't do you like the melvins are you a melvins guy yeah i like uh uh i do like the melvins um they i don't really like bands with two drummers all the time yeah but i do like the melvins i like king buzzo as a guitar player Uh, and as a vocalist a lot yeah well he's also got some pretty bad takes king buzzo he's a big libertarian Uh. which is um and he's cashing heat now because a video of him on gavin mckinnis's show resurfaced Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yep but he's um he's not all right he's just like uh capitalism has worked for me and if it doesn't work for you you're not trying hard enough He's one of those guys. Okay. I mean... And, uh, you know, I think that that sort of attitude might blind you to some more nefarious elements who use that attitude to further a white supremacist agenda, which Gavin McInnes definitely does. Yeah, Gavin McInnes is a douchebag. He is a douchebag. He's funny, though. Yeah. I think he's funny. A lot of people on the right are funny and smart. I only think Gavin McInnes and Milo were funny. Um, who else is funny on the right? Um, I mean, Alex Jones, I, th- I think, is hilarious. Yeah, but he's unintentionally funny. Like, Gavin McInnes can actually, like, craft a joke intentionally. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I mean, he's evil. He's terrible. But just because you're evil doesn't mean you can't be I funny. Mean, I, think I mean, Trump look is at seventy percent of comedians. I think Trump is funny. Trump is hilarious. Trump is like, and not just unintentionally yeah. funny. Like he, the dude can crack a joke. I think that's part of his part of why he's dangerous is because he's very funny. Yeah. He understands. He understands mockery. Like people are above childish mockery, but no, it's a very effective rhetorical tactic. Trump said he was going to pardon Edward Snowden, and <laughs> funny Susan Rice was responded with, "I can't even," and that really <laughs> pissed me off. So yeah, almost had her as the veep. <laughs> uh, what is it with Democrats? With why do they hate Edward Snowden? It's process. Robert E. Lee, baby. The They're fuck? all Robert E. Lee, you know? Process, process, process. It matters more than anything else. I don't uh, understand. Process matters like, more than reality. Snowden showed that the government is spying on everyone. Even yeah, but he didn't go through the correct channels, we were, you see. We were spying on Angela Merkel. Yes. But what he should have done is reported it to his supervisor. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Yeah. If he had done that, we have systems. I mean, I feel <laughs> like we should tear down the statues of Confederate soldiers and put up statues of Edward Snowden. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, Obama loved the Patriot Act, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's uh, Those libs all love the Patriot Act. I think, to some degree... And I've, I've heard it before, uh, the phenomena of big law brain, but I think you also find it in other professional class jobs, like surgeons as well, tend to have this sort of almost mild sociopathy. Mm, yeah. But big law brain is a thing, because when you work at like the highest echelons of law for a while, people describe Lori Lightfoot, uh, the Chicago mayor, like this. Mm -hmm. Like, you sort of gain this outsized sense of power and legitimacy. Like, you become sovereign. Like, you gain the legitimate use of force uh, when uh, you get inured to these positions where you do have a lot of power and respect in society. Right. <laughs> so I guess uh, my greater point is that once you think you're God, you know, you do a lot of stuff. Well, you know, I don't... That, the troubling thing about Biden is that he's certainly not going to... Re revoke the Patriot Act. He's certainly not going to stop spying on Americans. He's certainly not going to do anything about the Customs and, Customs and Border Patrol's 100-mile no. radius thing where they can basically, like the entire state of Michigan is 100 miles from the border. So because of the Great Lakes. So, so Customs and Border Patrol can go into any house in Michigan if they wanted to without a warrant. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, and two-thirds of Americans live within this border range where there are no constitutional rights from Customs and Border Patrol. You know, that's why the, the green men that Trump sent into Portland are f pulled from Customs and Border Patrol. They can do whatever mm. they want. Um, and I don't think Biden's going to fix that. No. I don't, I don't know if Biden is going to... If, say, these protests continue into his term, which, you know, I don't know if he'll win or not. Yeah, uh, that's 50-50. Uh, yeah. Just like Michigan. It'll all come down to Michigan. I mean, it might. I don't know. I think, you know, it might come down to Florida. It's going to come down to who can who can rig the election. It's Yes. And it, this whole thing that Trump's rigging the election is, yeah, he is. And the Democrats also try to rig elections. They've been, both sides have been rigging elections since, like, 
Kennedy. So yeah, it's no. I mean, we saw. I mean, that was like the big. Um, who who's the one that leaked all the DNC documents? Oh, who or who got in trouble for that? Uh, I guess. Uh, or maybe a, a, the Hillary emails. It was just in the Hillary emails where it was like showed. Debbie Wasserman Schultz actively conspiring to undermine Bernie Sanders. Yeah, you know? the New York primaries haven't been like the 2016 New York primary was illegitimate. The 2020 yeah. New York primary was almost presidential primary was canceled for a time and then yeah. reinstated by a court. And that the New York Times kind of like had a tiny byline like one day like, oh, primary canceled, mm-hmm. uh, primary reinstated yeah. by a judge. That's, yeah, I, mean, I think the yeah the the center the libs need their own Roger Stone, you know, someone who's just not above <laughs> dirty tricks, if they want to win. Hmm. Uh, we think we have that, but we don't have that. And I say I say I identify as centrist temporarily because I you need to if you participate in politics or have any meager faith that electoralism accomplishes anything you sort of need to live in a super sanity where you are simultaneously able to accept the fact that uh the best you're going to do is like a right centrist imperialist Mm -hmm. uh while also you know simultaneously existing as uh you know in your leftist brain mode as well because i do think in my heart of hearts maybe it is just faith-based but electoralism actually does have consequences significant enough such that it should not be thrown out whole cloth yeah no i mean i don't i don't understand people who want to Um, i mean especially on a municipal and a state level state level especially electoralism has a lot of uh strong effects yeah most of the people who say such things have no interest in getting involved in local politics because they are probably transplants and they're probably renters and they have no nothing tying them to where they live they you know yeah. they're probably living in a in a place that they don't plan on living forever they're also probably childless and um they are not rooted into a community they are desperate for that feeling and they are finding one by finding other people to agree with them that electoralism needs to die and so yeah. that's that's becoming their community and it's kind of sick yeah i think politics divorced from geography is sort of like a thing that you see in the in the twitter era of politics yeah. which is like um uh it's always you know that the old the old uh, think globally act locally thing is very much true where um think locally experience... act locally there you go think locally act locally yeah like, you want to make anarcho-syndicalism, you want to have a series of kibbutzes, you know, start by uh, finding out what the tea is in your community. You know, I say all this. I'm not going to do anything. Although recently, oh man, there's been this fucking thing in midtown Toronto that's really been making my blood boil. So they recently put up a homeless shelter mm-hmm. in a relatively swanky part of Toronto, and all of the fucking midtown Karens, which is the only way to describe them, they are the... The Ur Karen, the very beating heart of the Karen. Even though that meme has been exhausted and everyone is calling each other Karens, there is no other word for them than simply Karens are like, My daughter saw a homeless man the other day and she is traumatized. I don't like it. Crime has risen up in the area. All these fucking cunts. These fucking double A cunts. Uh, who I, they're not they're not women most of them are men too so it's like I, I can mm. the, the men are cunts everyone is cunts Ooh. 
but yeah um in midtown toronto they're trying to get rid of the homeless shelter that was recently built because it's devaluing people's properties Mm -hmm. maybe and there's crime in the area not really uh and because they're just a bunch of people that can't stand looking at homeless people that's really the long and short of it and so it has since escalated to include this guy called Giorgio Mammoliti, who is a disgraced uh, former city councilor mm-hmm. um, who is known for being extremely corrupt when it comes to development as well, and uh, just general all-around shyster, you know, uh, small business owner tyrant energy, Giorgio Mammoliti. And he owns property in the area, and he has now joined the cause and the thing they're trying to do now is organize a private security force Uh-oh. to harass the homeless uh, and, uh, uh, you know, prevent crime. They're sort of like trying to... One of them, one of these fucking rich-ass bitches said, we need a guardian angels. Like the <laughs> They Hell's want their angels? own version of the guardian... No, the guardian angels, you know, the beret-wearing uh-huh. vigilantes in, in 1980s New York okay. who were policing yeah, the yeah, Bronx yeah. because the police wouldn't go to the Bronx. Uh, so they were suggesting that, we've become a lawless society because I saw a guy peeing on the street. And I... <laughs> yeah, I just really... There's nothing more that I hate than people that beat up on the homeless. That shit really makes my blood boil. Yeah, well, vigilantism is, you know, not good generally. No. Unless you have no other... I mean, if there's nothing else, but then... You... I think that was the general state of the Guardian Angels in the when they started. It's like the mm-hmm. NYPD really, really did not police those neighborhoods. Well, supposedly, if you if you listen to right media, then all the major cities are just turning into chaos and and violence, nope. unchecked violence. There was a sh- there was a sh- there was a shooting at Grand Central Terminal just the other day. Well, well. So I'm I'm gonna have to check in with some NYC friends to see if it is true that the city that Gotham has turned to chaos. And that is we, it Escape from New York yet? Need, is it Bane yet? I think yeah. yeah, we need Batman. I think. Yeah, all the Joker-fied. Yeah, got Because everyone's joke. become Joker-fied. You know. <laughs> As Scott Adams said. <laughs> I mean, if all the... The Joker movie. If all the rich people moved out of New York, um, which I think they have temporarily, pretty much. They've mm-hmm. temporarily all just packed up and left for the Hamptons or the, up, mm. you know, upstate New York. Um, so it's going to have a very funny effect on upstate politics. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to become, it's going to become lib instead of like mildly like uh, working class right wing. Yeah. You get mm-hmm. big, big rich libs screwing everything up for people in like, uh, uh, fuck, which, whichever county. Yeah. And like the town of Catskill and the Catskill County, it's going to be in Greene County. That's happening. Yeah. Um, they're, they're trying big to. Big rich libs uh, doing big rich libs politics. Well, in Catskill, they wanted to do Black Lives Matter on the side, on like the street. And the the town mayor was like, "Nope, well, no, you no, nope. <laughs> that's a controversy. No, you're not going to." And then that was that turned into a big deal, I think. And wow. Also in Catskill, the town they're filming a a, a documentary called Trump Country. Well, so Catskill's going to be in the limelight for a little while. Well, and yeah, that's it, it, there's a lot of hardcore Trump people up in upstate New York. Oh yeah, of course. I think, uh, I mean, we all know the sentiment that animates Trump. 
It's a bunch of white people who feel like they're sort of being passed over. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. That's all you need to understand. They just feel like they've forgotten. People have forgotten about them. Even like uh, Republicans like Mitch McConnell have forgotten about them. But Trump, their their big salesman boy, he's the shyster in their corner. He's uh, you know. It's like the confidence you you would get from a Saul Goodman type, you know? Mm -hmm. You know he's evil, but he's your evil. Well, I wonder what the Democrats are going to do, you know? They got to figure it out how to uh, uh, win some of these people back. Yeah. But I don't think they keep saying I mean, the Democrats was a safe choice. Yeah, but they they also the Democrats are all just like every year they're like the big demographic change is just around the corner. Nope. And I guess it maybe but um, it's that has been hindered by the, the uh, you know immigration restrictions. Yeah. Which, you know, that's a good strategy. Get more immigrants who will vote for you, and we need immigrants, as is it's clear, because they they bring all the awesome stuff. <laughs> we, yeah. Like, if we didn't have immigrants, we would have no good food. And that's no. generally my argument to conservatives about immigrants. It's like, don't you like good food? Yeah, it's a dumb, it's like dumb, but that's the appeal you have to yeah. go with them, you know, because they don't understand why immigration is good beyond but, material you know, things. Then I start seeing articles in Vice that, that you know, it is, it's cultural appropriation to eat, to, to, to take immigrants and, and, and their good food, and that we shouldn't do that. And I yeah, just but, get you know, very mad at that, because that that's is... That's Vice. That's the, that's the audience they play to of... You know, rich people that want to feel like they're doing a, a service to culture by only eating hamburgers or whatever. <laughs> I mean, the, the, there's a, the only reason I'm pro-Palestine is because I grew up eating Palestinian food. And Hell yeah. by eating Palestinian food, I talked to Palestinians who, you know, had fled in 19, I think, 48 or 58. I can't remember the year. And they went to Lebanon and then from Lebanon came to America and... They were like, yeah, we were forced out of our homes at gunpoint by the Israelis. And, and our father had an entire family there that he was separated from and had to come to America eventually and just start a new family. He, could never, he never saw his old family again. Well, round two. <laughs> I mean, and... We'll do a mulligan on that family. Yeah. So, you know, and ever since knowing them and what they went through, I was always very, you know pro-Palestine. There are plenty of good arguments for Israel. Nope. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are. One of them no. is just might makes right. That's yeah, that's an argument. That's, it's true. I, I'm not saying we all are the, the strong Jews. Yeah, I'm not saying the arguments are, are correct. We are strong. No one can tell us we're wrong. Because <laughs> the West Bank's a battlefield. <laughs> yeah. If they're strong enough to go take, you know, and have the ally uh, allied with America and we can go, we can do what we want because we're the strongest. Yeah. Carl Pan's ran, man. And, you Classic. know, as we were talking pre, pre-pod pre recording that about might makes right. Um, yeah. You know, when you do violence, when you start doing violence, then might makes right, you know, becomes the ultimate rule. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Legitimate use of force. That's what we were talking about. Because, you know, might makes right. I mean, that was like, uh, it's always, uh, Alan Moore had a good quote on anarchism, which is like, uh, lots of people criticize anarchy because they say that the power will go to whoever has the biggest stick. And I thought to myself, well, that's how it works now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And so, yeah, I think, but that's really what it's all about. It was you're talking about Max Weber, the man Max Weber, Protestant ethos Max Weber. Uh, the man, uh, the myth, the legend. Identified the state as, uh, or what sovereignty truly is, is the legitimate use of force exclusively. Uh, you, you, you have a monopoly on the legitimate use of force. Only you can uh, beat people up and people are like, yeah, that, that's okay. Um, and so, you know, what we're seeing in uh, America is America losing its grip on the monopoly of the legitimate use of force because people can plainly see, a critical mass of people can plainly see, they are not using it legitimately. And so forms of insurrectionist violence will become more and more palatable or will be seen as more and more legitimate. Yeah. And that's how states within states form. Balkanization. Yeah, I'm wondering that. I mean, that may happen. That'd be very interesting to me to see how uh, California does when it uh, secedes because mm. they haven't been able to solve their own problems. Like, you know, they're doing rolling power outages right now today and yesterday because they can't get a handle on their utility company mm. and you know interesting to see we need force interesting to see how a city like new york you know which has had lib liberal mayors or as such for a while they can't get a handle on uh internet they, yeah. their internet sucks in new york city you can't get good internet there and the rest of new york state can't get good internet i mean it's uh they're going to have to come to grips with, like, the utilities and how utilities can't really be privately run sooner no. or later. They, we keep trying—I think I saw Matt Brunig say this today, that we keep trying, like, centuries of just being like, maybe we can let the utilities be private this one time. <laughs> God damn it, quit it. Yeah, I, I, what is the logic of privatizing utilities? The idea that, you know, because, well, like, the opportunity cost it takes to create a telecom is such that no one can start a scrappy independent telecom. Uh, there's no viable form of competition. You either have to artificially split the companies up in order to create competition, or you need to nationalize it and get rid of it altogether. I think that the it, the reason that they get it mixed up is because they they start from where they are instead of mm -hmm. from the beginning in terms yeah. of their analysis. So we've gotten to a certain point, and now it seems like it would be great if it was all private without mm -hmm. realizing that what came before wasn't, and you mm -hmm. can't just... So they don't consider everything when, in, when they're figuring it out. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, because I'm kind of grasping it tenuously, but... I think... No, no, I think that makes sense. It's, um... I think when... Okay, so it's it's like when people assign Elon Musk a huge amount of... Uh, a huge amount of credit for developing stuff, even right. though it's like he has $550 million of government subsidies and, like, tons of government research that benefited him. Well, it's like crediting uh, him with PayPal, or with yeah. doing, it's like crediting Mark Zuckerberg with yeah. with Facebook when Facebook couldn't exist without like billions of dollars of government support for the developing yeah. the internet. And, or how like Bill Gates learned to code on DARPA computers, you know? Yeah, it, all of this stuff 
came from the government's support of uh, tech and science development. And now mm -hmm. Elon Musk can come around with rocket technology that he has really, like he's like an amateur rocket guy, basically, who thinks he's got the chops to take us to Mars. Yeah. And it's just the worst idea because when you, you know, yeah, sometimes private um, companies are good for innovation, but only when they are subsidized by the government and there's many of them and there's like a quality yeah. filter which is think, the government yeah. um, and its electoralism becomes the filter because the the populace can decide who the government funds based on how it's going. I just, I just want Star Trek world. <laughs> yeah, we all want Star Trek world. I mean, I feel like the capitalist orthodoxy that um, markets, that market competition inevitably produces the best product, you know, uh, is most applicable to microcosmic worlds of local economies. And media. Um, especially, yeah, and media. Industries with very low opportunity costs to create stuff, um, it, I think that's where capitalism is most applicable. Yeah, capitalism so is great I think for that's movies. Why, yeah, entertainment, I think capitalism is number one. Yeah. Communist entertainment is okay. <laughs> but, yeah, well, uh, yeah. Uh, we uh, have computer, it is robot, have, it's, it is animated. <laughs> It's Worker and Parasite. Yeah. We're just going to get... Right. But I love Worker and Parasite cartoons. Yeah. So I like. I actually do like a lot of Soviet animation. I think it's cool. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think in terms of delivering what people want, which is sort of an important part of living in a society or giving people sort of um, temporary pleasure. I think, yeah, pleasure industries are sort of where capitalism really shines. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, you know, in terms of delivering need, if we are to quantify a human need, then it's very bad at doing that. Yeah. But, you know, some people are like, no, you don't need a telecom. You know, you don't need food provisions. You don't need housing. You don't need any of that stuff. You want that stuff, um, which is why capitalism should provide for that. And, you know, that's sort of the main axiomatic division between uh, right-wing and left-wing people, which is like what you would describe as a want versus a need yeah and i guess you know we don't need i guess i guess they, that it hasn't become clear enough yet that we need internet access as yeah. a utility but it's, i mean i think we'd i'll argue that of course we do it this should be obvious now saying, yeah. post pandemic i think not that yeah. we're post, but once we're post-pandemic, it should become extremely obvious that everyone, because now if we're trying to do, we are going to, as we're going to see in America this coming fall, all the schools are going to have to go online. And kids don't, kids will go home and won't have good internet access. Yeah, they'll have to go to the library or some shit. The libraries are Even closed. Then. They're, so they're yeah, going to, we're going to have a generation of kids who are going to miss out on a year of school. So that's going to suck here. Because we already don't have well enough educated populace, which you need for just sustain. It's a sustainability question. What's going to sustain our growth is a, a well-educated populace that can be innovative technologically. That's what sustained America and arguably why the North was able to vanquish the South was better education and mm -hmm. more invent and a more inventive populace was able to solve problems better. I mean, we also had, yeah. um, you know, in the North, a lot more uh, resources in terms of capital, like available capital. 
because mm-hmm. uh, the South was tied up. All of like it's not that the North was much richer than the South. They were kind of equally rich, but but they had more liquid capital. The North had liquid capital, and the South had capital tied up in land and slaves. Yeah. So you can't Which turn is, that um, into money very easily. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know what's great about liquid capital? It doesn't try and escape every three months. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> the fascinating thing to me about the North and the South is that the argument from the South was that the North were just dirty capitalists who wanted to turn everyone into wage slaves that would work in factories and that they would abuse us and there'd be no worker protections. And then, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> So they had a point, but they did not have any moral standing because while they were speaking out of one side of their mouth, the other side of their mouth was like, and then we're going to take over the world and make them all slaves. So it's a very interesting, um, and you know, it's it also ties into how the Republican Party has transformed since then when it was created to be the, it was it was one of the greatest parties of all time at the, yeah, you know. It was, but it, it was the ultimate, we like the federal government party. Right. And Which is, free, that's not what they're about they, today. Their motto was like, free speech, free soil, and free labor. Yeah. And the labor part is concerning. Yes. And, you know, they had a point to South. But, the, and uh, you know, the South also wanted like a, sort of an agrarian art, artisan type because like everyone was freed up to do any hard labor because the slaves were all doing it and so everyone yeah. could be everyone who was considered a member of society was like a like you know like an artisanal shoemaker or artisanal reminds me of craft uh, beer maker but it's like in japan when like the emperor became so the empire became so obsessed with art that it allowed the shogun to take over in mm. terms of real political power very because uh, while they were focused on, you know, creating beautiful artworks, the shogun was uh, shoring up uh, samurais. Ah, I gotta watch Kagamusha. There you go. I love Kagamusha. Blue Flame. I love that. I, yeah. love, I love all the color, the color, in color Kurosawa movies. Yeah, Ran. Ron. Ron. Ran. Ron. I don't know how you say it. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, Ran Perlman. <laughs> Ran Swanson. Ron Paul. Yeah, Ron Paul. Uh, <laughs> uh, that is actually my fa- one of my favorite Simpsons jokes of all time is, uh, you like Japanese movies, Homer? You like Rashomon? That's not how I remember it. It's just a totally brilliant joke. Amazing joke. Did you um, see Marge coming out to talk about how she sounds like Kamala? Yeah, that was weird. Mm-hmm. That's that feels very. I don't like when the Simpsons are very lib now, very no, status quo sucks. now. Because they used to be pretty subversive. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the joke where it's it's Rainier Wolfcastle uh, hosting a late night show, and he says, "Hello, Scully. Your shirt makes you look like a homosexual." And then the audience boos, and they said, "Maybe you are all homosexuals." <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's for, like, 1993 or 1994, whenever that was released, I think it's pretty weirdly progressive, where, like, most shows... Like, Friends was even, like, getting laughs off of easy gay jokes, but this was a joke which not only condemns uh, homophobes, it's a joke that condemns late-night hosts' lazy reliance on homophobic jokes. Ahead of its time. Which is, I think, yeah, for its time, is a pretty, actually, subversive joke. I, I like that a lot, The Simpsons. Good job on being ahead of the time, at least when you were good. 
Yeah, they. I mean, they were they were the best thing going for nine, ten mm-hmm. years. And they had good. There were yeah. good politics in The Simpsons too. I'm absolutely convinced that even like with like very right wing guys with John Schwartzwelder, they always had these really. Uh, thoughtful political conclusions at the end of episodes like um the marge simpson country club episode is very much it's it, it's even in the title of the episode it's about scenes from the class struggle in springfield it, that episode is all about class warfare and class reductionism and you know how people once they attain a certain class even mr burns he pickled the figs himself for homer once homer met the hallmarks of his class interests he pickled you know? the figs uh, you know when uh, uh, Homer they joined the country club? It's like I, where, where's Homer? I I baked him this cake myself, and it's a horrible looking cake. I don't remember. And Smithers tries some of it, and he goes, Aww. and Mr. Burns says, "I pickled the figs myself," which is just a beautiful statement. Another great Simpsons thing. But yeah, the seeing like the Marge defend Kamala, or like going very M O R and saying that you're beating up on Midwestern housewives or something, just. You know, it's zombie Simpsons. You know, it doesn't. It's it's the absence of a point of view, which yeah. is really what makes it um, so disheartening. It's such a zombie show. Yeah. Definitely a zombie show. Yeah. Oh. That is the preferred term for it now. Is zombie Simpsons, whatever it is. I mean, coming back to Kingdom Hearts, mm-hmm. going full circle. Full circle. If they are to release a new Kingdom Hearts, Ooh, I hope so. which they will, yes. even though this new series is done uh, done with. Done with. But uh, the concept of taking Disney and now Fox properties, which includes the MCU and The Simpsons, mm-hmm. all in the same universe, will happen. Oh yeah. It is only a matter of time. Oh yes. Uh, so we're gonna get a new Kingdom Hearts with all the Super Disney properties in it, and which means The Simpsons will eventually be in Kingdom Hearts. We will live to see if one of them, if Harry Shearer doesn't die in five years, we <laughs> will live to see The Simpsons in Kingdom Hearts, the new Kingdom Hearts series, whatever that is. Do you is. think they're going to start a whole new series or do like Kingdom Hearts 4? No, they don't. They'll do like a new, they'll do like Kingdom Hearts, the start of a new trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's it's the uh, the Blast Radius trilogy. And, you know, it's going to be all about their new character named Blasto. And he's an anime boy who's got a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. And uh, he's gonna get his—he's gonna get assistance from his pal Homer Simpson to defeat another spiky-haired anime boy who is turned towards the darkness. Yeah. You know, and that's what I hope for. That's what I truly hope for in society. One day we shall all return to childhood when the Simpsons were good, uh, <laughs> when our Disney characters led us in easy displays of emotional fervor where you could relate to a big-eyed cartoon duck, we will all return. When you still like Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't you want Sora fighting with a lightsaber, you fucking predictable little bitch? You fucking nostalgia-ass bitch? You should get a computer so you can get Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> or a PS5 or a PS4 or something. Instead uh, of a, I... a lame little Switch. Uh, fuck, fuck now, my little gay-ass look, switch. Look, my little toaster to oven yeah. is beautiful. Don't make get fun a, get of a co- Get a computer. Get a man system. Yeah. <laughs> right, what do no. you think? You're going to get a PS5? You're going to wait for yeah, the probably. PS6? Yeah, probably. It looks horrible. I love it. It looks very funny. It doesn't look as bad as the Xbox, in my opinion. I mean, it, it kind of looks... The Xbox 5 is... Or what are they on? Xbox... 
I don't know. What do they call it? It's the Xbox X1S or oh, something like it's that? Like it's, it's, yeah. it's like a weird brutalist box. Yeah. It's like a like an office building with no windows. And then the it's P- like the box from Silicon Valley. The PS5 is just this like weird um, architectural monstrosity with curving the edges. The PS5 looks like Homer's car from <laughs> The Simpsons. You can't. The car that Homer designed. It won't that, lay flat and it rocks yeah. back and forth if you try to lay it's it. It's got flat. bubble domes and like a big <laughs> anime collar, and <laughs> it's great. I love it. I I mean, I just like it because we haven't seen such a weird console design since like the 90s. Yeah. So I, I think I'm excited for the risk taking aspect of it alone. I think it might be the last generation of PS5, of PS for a little while. I think they're going to. Mm. Because, you know, if Google and Amazon really are, um, make it happen with the streaming games, which... Stadia, you're saying? Yeah, the streaming games where you, you just, like, can have, a like, a any old computer and instead of all the computing power is off-site and you're just... If, oh, and you pay, like, a rental fee. You pay, a, re- and you can you pay just... a fee and then you have to have a good internet connection and you, then you stream the game. And then you play games like you would watch Netflix movies, where you can select from a library of hundreds, or right. And, you don't have to pay and for if, each individual. If your game. internet connection's good enough, you can any get you can get any game, and it doesn't matter. And it'll, the the, the uh, all the processing, all the like the video rendering is taking place off site. And then if it's fast enough, which you kind of need fiber optic, but if we get enough fiber optic, then if you know you can play. And not, you know, people were doing it with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. They um, mm-hmm. did a test. You could play it for free on the Google one. And it was working. Yeah. Well, kind of, let's kind of hope cool. Google and Amazon do not monopolize another industry. The video game industry? It'd be hilarious. I mean, I think, yeah. <laughs> I, given how they treat their employees, do you think they do better than, like, uh, Rockstar Games, who notoriously ground their programmers and artists into nubs and in blizzard does that too blizzard also is yeah. notoriously horrible to their um to their employees there was a very funny twitter thread on a guy who works for nintendo or ga- yeah. guy or gal or non-binary pal and yeah. um they were saying how they were working for nintendo and blizzard offered them a deal and they just laughed them out of the like laughed them out of the room just like, yeah. why would I want to well, go work for That's what's fun about Nintendo, is Nintendo actually does have a great work culture, yeah. but their programmers and artists love it so much that they're willing to work for seven days without sleep in right. order to make good games. Can't wait for Breath of the Wild. they believe in the brand. Yeah, Breath of the Wild 2. Never finished Breath of the Wild 1. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I got far. I got farther than I generally get. Eh, Breath of the Wild 1 doesn't... It doesn't even benefit from you completing the story. Yeah. It's just, it's it's a sandbox game and should be experienced. It can be experienced just as much as a toy as it can a game. Well, I will return to it, you know, mm-hmm. once, um, I mean, once I have I mean, I do love the story of Breath of the Wild. I think it is a beautiful Zelda story because it's about how all of your friends are dead. Yeah. Yeah. They are. To, all my friends are dead. To everyone listening, it's they the are Zelda. all dead and we are all that remains. Mm-hmm. So subscribe and tell your friends to listen to House of Decline. Yes. All the dead ones, that is. Right. And remember, it was the Union Army that dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. <laughs> Whoa!